appreciate God. And if you are joining us from anywhere else in the world, you are not regularly uh, fellowshipping with us at LifeGate, and you are joining us in this service, we want to say you are very welcome. And for those of you that would also hear this later on after it's recorded, you are also welcome. You are a blessed people, and the Lord will increase you. We will welcome you specially very shortly so that we can recognize you, uh, if you don't mind, and uh, we can celebrate God for your life. We are truly thankful for the times that we are in. May God continually be glorified in the name of Jesus. The title of my message today is Developing Godly Trust. Developing Godly Trust. And um, as you can see on our banner there, we have started a series which we are finishing today. The series was called Godly Values for Restful Increase. The series is called Godly Values for Restful Increase. And as you can see on the banner, we have looked at our four, four out of our five core values as a church. God gave us these core values, and uh, every time we reflect on them, they help us to enjoy the season we're in. This is our covenant season of restful increase. Last week, I was having a dialogue with God, and I said, Lord, you promised us that this was going to be restful increase for us. And um, everything around us now does not show anything that looks like rest. This is, the, this is the worst pandemonium our world has ever been in in recent history. And, uh, you know, the Lord told me that that's exactly what he meant. That's exactly what he meant, how to have rest in this kind of pandemonium. And you know my favorite story very well. We'll still talk a little bit about it later on, uh, which has to do with Jesus and his disciples crossing the, 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 the lake to the other side. And the storm started and everything started and Jesus was at rest. This is exactly what God said to me, that that is what I mean by restful increase. You will be in a state of rest, a state of assurance in me, a state of confidence in me, regardless of what your world will experience. And so I want you to continue to understand that God knows today before we got here. He was in today as at yesterday and he's in tomorrow already. So your life is secured in his hand and I want you to continue to Put your trust in God. So as these core values have been given to us as a vision mandate, we have been running with them since this church started almost seven years ago, uh, that God commanded us as five key core value areas to love God and love one another. As number one, to use our God-given abilities to serve God and humanity. As number two, to always act in faith, even as God instructs us. As number three, and to always do everything we do unto God by the spirit of excellence. As number four, we looked at that last week. And today we are looking at the theme or the core value of to always trust in God and one another as a family under God. To always trust in God and one another as a family under God. Now the words trust in God and one another are carefully selected. God has not commanded us to trust in one another. We only trust in God. But for the sake of relationship and the sake of fellowship, we have to trust one another. And I can explain that a little bit more as we go on. But what we are commanded to do and as we do this in, in the light of what God has spoken to us as a people, what I want us to know is that we will be enjoying restful increase the more, even as God has, has promised us. When we talk about trust from the biblical perspective, we talk about a bold, confident, and sure security in God. Very bold, audacious, very, very sure security in God. We always associate people of faith with their trust in God. They go together. 
They are different things, but they go together. Well, every man of faith and woman of faith was a person who had total trust in God. Whether it was David, whether it was Abraham, even Job, even Job. Job was a person who typified the, the worst of what a person can face in terms of challenges in life. But because of his trust in God, he said, I know that my Redeemer, the one he has faith in, lives. So his trust sustained him through his ordeals. Even his only wife that was left said to him, curse God and die, it was better for you. He said, no, I will not do such a foolish thing. And so we must all understand that even when we look at trust, we must see it as that kind of bold, confident, sure security that we have in God. It is what makes the likes of David audacious before the Goliaths of their time. It is what made Daniel the, the, so audacious in front of King Nebuchadnezzar in the days whereby they were to be cast uh, into the uh, lion, where he was to be cast into the lion's den. And all the kings that were with him at that time, the kings that he ruled, uh, that he, uh, he, he worked with, like Darius, it was the trust that he had in his God. So I want us to understand, when we talk about trust and faith, they're not exactly the same thing, but they go together. Trust is something we have to do. Faith is a gift. Faith is a gift which we develop as we learn the word of God. The Bible says faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. But Ephesians 2, 8 and 9 tells us that it is by grace that we have been saved through faith. And this is not of our own doing, but it's the gift of God. So when we have a revelation from the word of God, we develop faith. I always see faith like a destination. If you see where you are going, you have faith. That's why the Bible says faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. So you can't see it right now, but you can see it ahead of you. Then you have faith. So faith helps us to do that. But what conveys us, if you like, the vehicle that conveys us from where we are to that thing that we see is our trust in God. So I always see faith, hope, and trust working together in the, in the context of a journey. Faith being the destination, trust being the vehicle, and hope being the driver. Without these three things, you can't have a fulfilled life. But if you look at scripture very well, when the Bible talks about faith, it says without faith it is impossible to please God. So without faith you have no journey at all. You must have faith. You must believe. The Bible says without faith it is impossible to please God because those that come to God don't come with hope. They don't come with trust. They come with faith. Because it is the faith that helps them to, that settles in their mind that they are coming to a God that exists. And a God who is a rewarder of them that diligently, now that's where trust comes in, seek him. Trust is what helps us to keep going in that journey to the God that we believe, to the God that we trust, to the God that we have our faith. So trust helps us as a people to have a relationship with God, a solid relationship, unshakable relationship. We have it and every time we look at trust, we must see it as something that we have to keep demonstrating and keep alive. It is important for us to understand also that trusting is what we do and faith is what we have been given. It is also important to understand that trusting is believing the word of God while faith is taking delivery of the word of God. Now it is very very difficult to explain the relationship between trust and faith other than to see it from this graphical illustration whereby faith is your destination. Faith is what you see ahead. Faith is what God said you will become. The Bible says Abraham hoped against hope. I said hope is like the driver. 
Hope is like the driver of that vehicle of trust that takes you to your faith. That, that is why if you have trust, if you have faith and you have no trust, you will have a stunted spiritual journey. You will have a, a spiritual journey that is frustrating because yes, you have faith in God, but because your trust level is so weak, is so, is so slow and is, is not achieving, you find yourself not living a fulfilled spiritual life. And if hope that drives your trust to your faith is not kept alive, then you can also not achieve it. So journeys look long. The Bible says concerning Abraham that he hoped against hope because hope has to keep driving you forward. Why am I explaining all this? Believers don't take time to understand these things from their basics. And so we, we don't even know what to pray. We don't know whether to pray for our hope to be kept alive or our trust or even for our faith to be helped. We need to know how they work because faith is faith, hope is hope, trust is trust. But today our emphasis is on trust. So I wouldn't want to go too much into those three things, but it's important for us so that we don't mix them up. We need to always understand the Bible commands us to trust in God, not in man. It commands us to trust in God. I'd like us to start this morning by reading Jeremiah chapter 17 from verse 7. The Bible says, Blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord and whose hope is in the Lord. Blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord and whose hope is in the Lord. Now, when the Bible talks about faith, this is another thing you must see. When the Bible talks about faith, it talks about faith as something that we must have to please God. Without faith, we cannot please God. But every time it talks about trust, it talks about commanding the blessing. It says, blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord. In Isaiah chapter 26, verse 3, he said, he said, he will keep him in perfect peace, whose mind is stayed on him, who trusts in the Lord. In Psalm 1, verse 1, he said, blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stand in the way of sinners, but his delight is in the law, nor sit in the seat of the scornful, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on it he meditates day and night. He delights in the things of God, he's blessed. He trusts the things of God, he's blessed. As a generation that is witnessing the, the worst pandemic in over 100 years now, we must understand that our trust in God must be godly. It must be solid. It must be unshakable. The news will not encourage you to trust in God. The news will make you afraid. In the context of giving you vital information that should keep you safe, the devil, without an, a solid relationship with God, the devil can use the same news that is meant to comfort you and use it to make you afraid. And Jesus said in Matthew 24, he said, In the end time, many men's hearts will fail them because of fear. Believers must not fail by the same fear that kills everybody else. We have to learn that we must develop godly trust. Jeremiah said, blessed is the man. The Lord said to Jeremiah, blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord and whose hope is in the Lord. Verse 8, he said, for he shall be like a tree. He shall be like a tree planted by the waters. Do you remember that from Psalm chapter 1 verse 3 as well? He shall be like a tree planted by the waters, which spreads out its roots by the river and will not fear when heat comes. He will not be in pandemonium when there is panic. He will not be in confusion when there is nothing to be hopeful of. The Bible says he spreads out his root by the river. He will not fear when heat comes. He said, but his leaf will be green. He will remain productive. He will remain fruitful. He will remain advancing. 
He said, and will not be anxious in the year of drought. <laughs> he will not be anxious. He will not be anxious with the slightest symptom that he feels that he's got a headache and he's got something. He will not be anxious. Now, I'm not saying if you get any of those symptoms that you shouldn't do the right things as commanded by government and health authorities. Please do. But you won't be anxious. The man who trusts God will not be anxious. The Bible says the man who trusts in God will not be anxious. He will not cease from yielding fruit. Friends, nothing about your productivity and advancement in life and your peace and merriment should cease. I'm not saying we should be frivolous and be very insensitive to the fact that people are dying around us. But you must continue to maintain your peace. There is the distinction between those that trust in God and those that do not. There has to be. There has to be. If not, what is the point of serving this God? What is the point? There was a clear demarcation in Goshen and Egypt. Period. There is no way we can explain it out. If there is no distinction, then we are either in a different covenant and not the same covenant of the one who says, I am the Lord that heals you. I am the one who will make sure no weapon formed against you shall prosper. Is this, if, then we are not in the same covenant with the, with, the, with the God who also said that he will make sure none of these plagues will come near our dwelling places. Now, I know he's sovereign and we're going to talk about that. And we can't do anything about his sovereignty. But we must be understanding ourselves that in this season that we're in and all our lives, we must know how to develop godly trust. When God gave me this fifth core value, it showed me how everything tied together. I prayed many, many months to get these things. I didn't just sit down and start to write things from my head. I prayed for months, fasted when this ministry was going to start. And when God gave me these five things in love, ability, faith, excellence, and trust, when I got to trust, he showed me how everything. He said, those that will come to me must love me. They must love me and love the people because that is how they will fulfill their mission. And in fulfilling their mission by loving me and loving their people, they have to make their abilities that I gave them available. They have to make it available. Friends, I humbly submit to you, every ability God has put in me, everything I know, I deploy into ministry. Most of what we're able to do with webinars and make this happen is what I know from my education world. Is what I know, is what I have learned from my, my world of consultancy, of having to deal with people that are on the other side of the world and looking at drawings together and planning them. I had to bring it in. And I know that we are still novices at this. We will go higher. But you know, we, 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 we have to bring in our God-given ability because we love God and we love people. I could easily sit on my bed and sit somewhere and just say, you know, let, let's just do something small. And you know, God understands. Everybody's locked down. And I'm not saying it's wrong to do that. But then I would be a disappointment to God because he has invested more in me than that. If I teach people in Hong Kong and teach people across the world, halfway across the world, why can I not be able to organize something that will bring his word to his people? So we use our God-given ability because we love God and we love people. And he said in doing that, we must do it by faith. I didn't know how it's going to work. I don't know how next Sunday will be. I don't know what it holds. I don't know how many people are hearing me now, but I just go. We do it by faith because God commands it. And then we make it excellent. We make it excellent. So I say to everybody, get up from your bed. Don't, don't sit in front of your screen with your pajamas. Go to church. Dress up. Sit there. Make it excellent and stand before your God. Does it, mean, does it matter if you, you wear your slippers? It really does not, but it's not excellent. The Bible says an excellent spirit was found in Daniel. And so he was distinguished. If you want to be distinguished, then you have to be excellent. And he said, all those now mean that they put their trust in me as they continue to serve me. Whatever they see, 
Where faith is different and the understanding of trust we must have against faith is the fact that trust is what keeps you going regardless of what you see. Whether it's called COVID-19, whether it's called SARS, whether it is called uh, 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 um, um, financial crisis, whatever it is, anything that comes, you must keep trusting God. I have served this God in nations and in cities where they were slaughtering people who were naming the name of the Lord. You have heard that from me many times. I was born in the northern city of Kano in Nigeria. It was a very volatile point when I was young. In my early teens and mid-teens, they killed people regularly for serving this God at that time. Thank God things are much better now. I'm not saying it's completely gone. But I lived through all that. It doesn't change anything. It doesn't change anything. I have served this God in five-star hotels where we go and it's all lush and good, beautiful, the most beautiful hotels, and we sing praises to God. And I have served this God in villages where the water they have is full of weeds, and that was all they could drink, and that was, was what they offered us to drink. I'm not saying you should go and be drinking that kind of water, but I'm just telling you that it, it makes no difference. God is God, wherever, however. You have to, it is your trust in this end time that will separate you. This is what will separate the men from the boys, as I always say. He said, you will be like a tree planted by the rivers. You know what a tree is? You go there next year, you find it. Until you cut it down, it's always there. Hundred years, they're there. I lived in a place in Greeley, Colorado in the years 1978, 79, 1980. And last year, July, was 40 years later, by the grace of God, that I had the privilege of going back there. It was amazing to see that so many things had changed. They had repainted. They had not rebuilt the buildings and they had repainted the place and everything, but two trees, two fig trees. If you look at that, my video is still on Facebook from July last year. Two trees that were planted there before we got there are still there, the same location 40 years later. Some of us have gone from that time. We've gone into secondary school, university. I finished university now. It's 30 years ago. Those trees are still there. My children are coming out of university and going into university now. Those trees are still there. <laughs> he shall be like a tree because he trusts in God. Friends, you need to look at your life and ask yourself, where is my trust level? Anytime you find yourself shaking, wicky, wicky, afraid, anxious, you need to settle down. It's not to condemn you. You need to settle down and say, Lord, I need to develop my trust in you. Then you gather the right kind of people around you. You gather people who will help your faith, who will help your trust level, who will share scriptures with you. Not people who will just sit down and be sharing with you things that are, that are not important. This is how we develop our trust. We are commanded not to trust in man. He didn't say we should not trust man, but we should not trust in man. Go back to verse 5. He said, thus says the Lord, cursed is the man who trusts in man. Blessing is trusting in God. Cursing is trusting in man. We need to understand what it means when it says don't trust in man. It didn't say don't trust man. If I don't trust you and you don't trust me, we can't have a relationship. Husband and wives, if you don't trust each other, there can be no relationship. This is one of the biggest problems in homes where there is suspicion today. This one doesn't trust the other one. That one doesn't trust the other one. So every time they are suspecting, they are cutting their phone and checking, checking. That one will, will go and be in the shower. That one will pick, pick the phone and checking. Because there's no trust. That is a horrible way of living. That's a horrible way of living. If I say to my brother, brother, please get me a cup of tea in the church here. 
in our church setting, if I say, get me a cup of tea, I should be able to trust my brother or my sister that what is serving me is not poison. If not, we can't have relationship. If he brings it and I have to pray for one hour before I drink it, then there's a problem. So we must trust one another. But we must not trust in. That's how we explain the difference. Trusting in means you are putting that place, you are putting that person in the place of God. That is what brings a curse. You are putting that person in the place of God. Nobody must trust a pastor like God. Because there is no pastor that is God. I know pastors don't like hearing this. Some pastors don't like hearing it. A pastor is not God. So a pastor must be trusted for him to lead the people. But if you trust in him, you may find yourself under a curse. No pastor must trust any church member. In, must trust in, sorry. Must trust in any church member. Because if I trust in, if the pastor trusts in the church member, he puts that church member in the place of God. We all must understand that only God has that exclusive position of commanding trust in him. So individually and collectively, we trust in God. And then we trust one another to be in fellowship. I hope it makes sense. The Bible says anybody that keeps trusting in man, and man there doesn't just mean human beings. It also means human systems. Trusting in your bank account. When you have money in your bank account, you are happy. When your health, physical health is okay, you are happy. You are praising God. The moment there is one slight headache or small pain, you, you, you ignore everything about God, and you are, you are worried and confused. That is not trusting. That is trusting in things. Verse 6 says, for he shall be like a shrub in the desert. Such person shall be like a shrub in the desert. Such person shall not see when good comes. That will not be your portion or my portion. We will keep seeing good because we will not trust in man. We will trust in God. He said, we will not see when good comes, but shall inhabit parched places in the wilderness. Many believers do not understand the place of trusting in God. It gives you solid assurance. You wake up every day fully rest assured that you will not inhabit the parched places in the wilderness. You will not be in a salt land that is not inhabited. You will be where it's fruitful. Go back to verse 8. You will be where it's fruitful. You will be where your leaf will be green. You will not be anxious in drought. There can be drought all around you, but you will not be anxious. I pray that that will be our portion. This is what developing godly trust is all about. And as a church, this matters to us a lot because it's our fifth core value. And these core values are not anything new. They're all biblical and scriptural, but God emphasizes it for us as a people so that we can accomplish our mission. We must be people who trust in God. We must be people who trust in God. We act in faith as he commands. We put everything to excellence as he, as he demands, but we must be trusting in God. We must never relent. No matter the news, no matter what is coming, we must keep our trust in God. Then we must trust one another in the fear of God as a family under God. We must trust one another. If I say A, you don't need to go from my presence thinking maybe pastor meant B or C. You know, when he says A, it could mean B or C. That is a false way of living. If there's any couple in this church that is living like that, you need counseling. You need to pray. You need to ask God to help you. And you need counseling because you cannot go far if you don't trust each other. If I carry my bag today and I say I'm off to Malaysia, my wife does not think I've gone to Nigeria instead. She doesn't, it doesn't cross her mind doesn't cross her mind. It doesn't cross her mind. You've got to live like that. Because without trusting one another, you will be limited. 
But don't forget, only God, only God can we trust, put our trust in. I want to quickly share with you a few things. I know that has been a very long preamble, <laughs> but I want to quickly share a few things that understanding godly trust is. Those of you that joined this by, um, uh, later on today, we read Psalm 31 verse 1 to 24 in our Bible reading. And there are a few things I'll just pick out. I'll urge you to read it. And as part of our fasting tomorrow is one of the scriptures I want us to read through. I was blessed reading it in the course of the weeks that I've been looking at this. And in Psalm 31 verse 1, the first thing we need to pick up from there is that God delivers us in his righteousness. He said, in you, O Lord, I put my trust. Let me never be ashamed. Deliver me in your righteousness. The word righteousness there also stands for sovereignty. It means that he is all omnipotence. He's all omniscience. He delivers us in who he is. It's sad to see that we have a world today that is trying to make God what we want him to be. And so a lot of people are trying to make the truth what they want it to be. That doesn't change who he is. It's like somebody looking at me now and telling me that I'm not a Nigerian or a British citizen. It doesn't change anything. They can have their view. They can say, from what I look like, I'm a Malian. I'll just smile. <laughs> it doesn't change the fact that I am a Nigerian citizen and I'm a British citizen. It changes nothing, nothing, absolutely nothing. The opinions we have about this God doesn't change him, whether we like it or not. This is why our world is, is, is in such calamity today, partly. Because we have come to an age where we think that even those, sadly, even those of us who name the name of the Lord, we now start to fake miracles and do things because we think God doesn't know what he's doing. God said, we will raise the dead. He said in my name. But it is reserved to his sovereignty. Hey, when we start to fake that dead people are rising and they are not, we are leaving ourselves to the devil. This is the problem of the church today. Fake things all over the place has now made the church. People talk about the church like a worthless entity because of what the church was trying to do to help God. We don't need to help him. If you lay hands on the sick, he said they shall recover. You lay the hand and do it by faith and go away. Believe God that they shall recover. If they don't, don't fake it. He delivers in his righteousness. He delivers according to his sovereignty. <laughs> he said, let me never be ashamed. You know something? I have studied scripture and I found that the Bible says that they that put their trust in the Lord their God shall never be put to shame. And what that tells me is that I can never be put to shame as I trust my God. So whatever people think they do to me to try to put me to shame is a waste of time. And I look at the life of Jesus and I saw that he was never put to shame. They spat on him, it was still not shame. <laughs> they tore his robe, it was still not shame. People may call it shame. That, oh, look at his nakedness. Oh, no. Look at what they are piercing his side. Oh, what is coming out of his side? They may look at all that. But what the Bible tells me is that wherefore God highly exalted him and gave him a name above every other name. And at the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. That was no shame. That's no shame. He said, let me never be ashamed. I put my trust in you. Friends, if you put your trust in God, Shame and reproach will never be your portion. 
Let people try what they want to try. Let them scandalize your name. You know what? If human beings can mess up a person's name, my name would have been messed up many, many. I was only 14 years old when they first tried it in my secondary school. I was only 14 years old when they tried to put me in a scandal and they tried to manipulate things around me. I was only 14 years old going to 15. My God stood for me, fought for me. And from that stage, I realized the same year, from secondary school, the same year, I was the only person from that same school that went straight into university with two admissions. Then one of my other colleagues also got one admission later. And like that, we were six of us that eventually within the year got admission into university straight from secondary school. A, a boy that some people were ganging up to try and, and mess up. I have been there many times. If man can mess up your name, they would have messed up your name. If man can put you to shame, they would have put you to shame. Never be afraid. The Bible says, in the Lord you put your trust. Never be ashamed. He will keep delivering you in his righteousness. Just trust him. He knows what he's doing. I'm not saying God doesn't answer prayers. Don't get me wrong. I'm not saying God doesn't heal the sick. God doesn't raise the dead. I'm not saying so. But it is within his prerogative. And we have to respect that. Part of trust is saying, Lord, do it the way you want to do it. The epitome of trust, I always believe, was demonstrated by Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. I like the way Americans pronounce it, Abednego. I've heard that many times. I don't know why they can't pronounce the Nigo. They say Ingo, <laughs> Abednego. <laughs> that used to make me laugh. Abednego, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. The Bible says... They said to the king, you have heard this from me many times. It trips me every time I hear it. I remember it. They said to the king, our God is able to deliver us from your very furnace. But even if he does not, even if he does not, we will not bow down. I like that. I like that. That is what we need in the Christianity of today. If we want that fire to come back. If you want that power to come back. This one that we're trying to stage manage and present things to show that something is happening is not it. It's not it. That's why the world is challenging many of our miracle people today that where are they? Let them go to the mortuaries and go to those centers and, 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 and raise the people with, with COVID-19. <laughs> Friends, I don't, you know I don't like to make a mockery of the things, but we need to speak the truth as it is. If we want to see a change, we must stop this thing and come back to the place where we are talking about the righteousness of God. I want to live long fulfilled. I want to fulfill everything God says I should do. But I don't know how many years he's going to give me. I don't know. He's been gracious to me. I've had 50 already. I'm not saying I'm planning to die. But if he decides to call me home tomorrow, so be it. What's the big do? So be it. It is his sovereignty. The Bible says precious in the sight of the Lord are the death of the saints. Let's not be afraid of those things. Don't get me wrong. None of us will be cut short. I will not be cut short. You will not be cut short by the grace and mercies of God. But understand fully well that you have nothing to be worried about. Last week we were having a little bit of a discussion. And my, one of my sons asked me, he said, how do I want to be buried when I, when I go? I said, I, I don't know. I'll, I'll be in heaven. Whatever you like, do with my body. <laughs> if you like, do <laughs> I'm, no, I'm in a glorious place, my mansion, man. That's where I am. I'm, I'm there, settled. What am I doing with a carcass that uh, is going to decay? <laughs> Friends, I laugh, but this is where we are as, as a body of Christ. We need to come back to the last part of verse 1 of Psalm 31. 
Deliver me in your righteousness, in your sovereignty, in who you are. How you choose to deliver is irrelevant. He can provide a fish to swallow you after you have made a mistake. It doesn't matter. He can correct your journey with a donkey standing in your way and saying, Saul, Saul, it doesn't matter. He can decide to make sure that your, 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 your boat is used to preach. It doesn't matter. Anything he wants to do to change your life and make you the person he wants you to be, leave it to him to do. So we have to understand that he delivers in his righteousness. Number two, our trust in God must be based on his mercies. I picked this from verse 7, Psalm 31. He said, I will be glad and rejoice in your mercy, for you have considered my trouble. You have known my soul in adversities. Hey, you mean God knows what I'm going through in adversity? You mean God understands that everything around us now is still working together for my good and for your good? How can I explain it? No, just leave it to his mercies. He said, I will be glad. I will rejoice in his mercy. Let us learn to be glad and be rejoicing in his mercy. Micah chapter 6 verse 8 is a scripture I've learned for many years and I like so much. He said, he has shown you, O man, what is good. And what does the Lord require of you? But to do justly. Humble yourself. To do justly. Just be right. And love mercy and walk humbly with God. Number three. This is from Psalm 31 verse 5. God must be trusted with the seasons of our lives. Number three. Number one, he delivers us according to his righteousness. Our trust in him must be based on mercies. Then number three, God must be trusted with the season of our lives. This is Psalm 31 verse 15. He said, my times are in your hand. <laughs> my times are in your hand. Deliver me from the hand of my enemies and from those who persecute me. God knows the seasons of your life. You know, there are certain seasons that you may feel that God is so far away. You may think that God is allowing some things that, man, I've been through some things that I asked questions when I was going through them 30 years ago, 25 years ago. And I was like, man, even some as far back as two years ago, three years ago, one year ago. And I would be like, man, Lord. But I've learned to understand that he knows the seasons of my life. Do you know that God knows that certain things that you are hoping will come and you are praying strongly and wishing for, God knows that they are not part of his plan for your life. And he will do everything he can to make you wait on him so that you can get to where he wants you to go. And then later you will see it. Later you will see it. You have to trust God that his time, your times are in his hand. I told you about when I was a young, young graduate uh, and I was looking for a job in that same city I told you about. Where a, a man told me that I passed all the interview, the dean of the faculty. I was looking for a lecturing job. I was only 23 years old. The man said to me that he can't give me the job, that he doesn't want me there. He stood to my face. He stood to my face. This is not that I heard it a rumor. He told me and my dad, because I had to take my dad there to go and see him, that I don't understand this. They said the man was not going to issue my letter. I thought it was the best job for me that time. As a 23-year-old, you had master's, a lecturing job in a federal university of Niger in Nigeria. It was not a bad job. For, for my age at that time, even now, it's not a bad job. It's a good job. I, I, I thought this is a good job for me. But that man said, no way. I'm not going to give you. Because I serve a God who has my seasons in his hand. God knew that I was not going to be tied to a, a university in northern Nigeria in my life. He knew that. He knew that this voice was going to speak to academics across the world from a different country. He knew that. 
He knew that this voice was going to be privileged to preach to people from across nations, despite everything that is happening with what I do. He knows that. He knew it. He knew it. But I didn't know that then. Because my times are in his hand. He knew. He knew. He knew that in my own life, I was going to develop a career that would develop both engineering and education at the same time, alongside ministry. He knew. I didn't know that. I didn't have capacity to think of that at 23 years. But he knew. At 24, I wanted to marry somebody, and I felt this was it. The moment I married this one, when I'm preaching, she will stand by my side and be singing, just as I am without one plea, and I'll be saying, get saved now, get saved now, get saved now. <laughs> that was all I knew about ministry. He knew that that was not the plan. So he gently removed her until he brought my price, priceless jewel to me today that's been with me for almost 30 years. He knows. Do you trust him with this season of your life? Do you, do you trust him? Do you trust him? Do you trust him? Do you trust his sovereignty? Do you trust his mercy? Do you trust him? Or you are just saying it. Do you trust him? He is God. All by himself. He knows the seasons of your life more than you can ever imagine. First Thessalonians chapter 5 verse 16 says, Rejoice always. Don't look for opportunities not to rejoice. Rejoice always. Rejoice always. I like rejoicing. I like laughing. My, my eldest son was giving my, a speech on my, on my 50th birthday. And um, they asked him to say some things. And he said many things. And I thank God. He said, I thank God for everything he said. I was encouraged by them. People say good things on your birthday. But then I was really encouraged by what he said. But something he said that he probably didn't even remember that really stuck to me that I never knew about myself. He said, my dad likes to laugh a lot. And I, I, since that day, it's wrong in my head. Honestly, I like to laugh. I like a laugh. You can't be around me for two hours. No matter what we're doing, there will be something to laugh about. It's impossible for two hours. Because the Bible says we should rejoice always. Are we rejoicing for what is happening? No. But because God says rejoice, we just rejoice. He said pray without ceasing. In everything give thanks. Not for everything, but in everything give thanks. For this is the will of God. COVID-19? Eh? Killing people in the thousands by the day? This is the will of God. In Christ Jesus for us. Ha! Tough to the ear, tough to the natural mind. But this is the will of God. And we will keep praying that His will be done to the end. We are praying against the scourge. We are praying against the advantage that the enemy will take concerning the situation. But we are still saying, Lord, let your will be done to the end. Let your will be done to the end. Let us understand that we have to give God his rightful place. He preserved the faithful. That's from verse 23. He said, oh, love the Lord, all you his saints, for the Lord preserves, Psalm 31, verse 23. For the Lord preserves the faithful, Psalm 31, verse 23. He preserves the faithful. Your preservation is guaranteed in the name of Jesus. My preservation in this time is guaranteed in the name of Jesus. But you know something? Let him still be sovereign. I am not saying this as a cop-out to say that we don't believe that God can deliver us. I hope you can get the balance. 
I'm only saying that we have 100% confidence in the Lord God Almighty that we serve, that he will deliver us and no evil will befall any one of us. 100% confidence that everything he said in his word will come to pass. But we also must have 100% trust in him as the sovereign God who can choose to do things the way he likes. Isaiah 55 verse 8 says, his ways are not our ways, his thoughts are not our thoughts. Our believer generation has come to a place where we believe that when we pray certain things, God has to answer in certain ways. And if he does not, we lose trust or we try to make it happen that way. That is not godly. That is not having trust in God. Trust in God means that I say, if I perish, I perish. I'm going in the commandment and the doing things of God. But if I perish, I perish. That's trusting God. That is trusting God. Not a reckless abandon of life or faith, but a committed, bold, confident effrontery that we put up against the enemy that is trying to make us not to trust our God. Finally, verse 24, which we read last, says, He strengthens the hopeful. Be of good courage, and He shall strengthen your heart. <laughs> Be of good courage. Courage will help you to draw strength from Him. Those of you that are in the front line, as we say, those of you facing patients on a daily basis and are very exposed, highly exposed, be courageous. Put on your whole armor of God every day. Put it on. Put it on. You know how we do that. Prepare yourself with the spiritual armory that will make you protected against the enemy. And be of good courage. You are doing a service to humanity. The enemy will not take advantage of you. The enemy will not take advantage of your vulnerability. There will be times that the physical protection may be inadequate. The mask may fail. The, the gloves might have been contaminated and you did not know and it touched your skin. There could be so many things that can go wrong. I'm not trying to scare you. I'm only trying to say keep putting your trust in God. Wear those things. Use them. But keep putting your trust in God. And be of good courage. Receive strength every day. Don't go in fear. Job said, the thing that I feared has come upon me. When we fear, it opens a door for the devil to use unnecessary things to tempt, test us. Even though we will not fail, but we go through unnecessary things. Joshua was encouraged to be strong. Joshua 1.7 tells us. John 16.33 says, in this world you, have, you, will be, you will have tribulation, but be of good courage. I have overcome. Finally, I want to just remind us, Proverbs chapter 3, verse 5. It says, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your way, acknowledge him, and he will direct your paths. Your understanding and my understanding can't take us anywhere. But when we trust in God, he will direct our paths. Verse 7 says, do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord. And depart from evil. Evil doesn't just mean that you are lying or committing murder or fornication or adultery and those things. Unbelief is evil. Depart from unbelief. Fear the Lord. And verse 8, wherever you are, read verse 8 with me. He said, it will be health to my flesh. Say, it will be health to my flesh. And it will be strength to my bones. In the name of Jesus. It is well with you, in Jesus' name. I pray with you where you are, my brothers and sisters. I know I got a bit passionate about this today, but I know that this is one of the things that 
has robbed the body of Christ of its dignity. We say we trust in God, but our actions are showing completely contrary. We think that lack of trust in God simply means when we don't demonstrate. At times, when we over-demonstrate, when we do more than he's doing, that is still not trusting in God. It grieves his heart, just like it grieves the heart of a father who means well for a child, and the child is refusing to just see what the father or the mother is trying to do. The same way it grieves the heart of God when we don't trust him. Let us trust him. He's sovereign. He is the one that was and is and is to come. Nothing can take his place. No one can take his place. No plague can ever outseat him. Our world must go back to that place where God will be God. Whether we want to talk about political correctness or all those things, it doesn't matter. Postmodernism, definition of marriage, redefinition of marriage, all these things don't matter to God. He still remains sovereign. Let us go back to his word. If we want to see ourselves living peacefully, enjoying the health to our bones, let's go back to his word. And if you are listening to me, you are not yet born again, I don't know why God brought you here today. But at least this one, I know that God wants to touch your life. I know he wants to save you. As we do in this church, we pray together, pray with us. You might have prayed this prayer before, but something touches you today to say, I want to make it right today. I want to do the right thing today. So as we pray the prayer, receive grace to be saved. Amen.